So I remember on the 11th of February 2007, I woke up in hospital still with my drips after only being diagnosed for 24 hours with type 1 diabetes and I felt like I should contact my university to let them know what was going on. So I called my tutor at the time, Dave Coventon, and I explained this is what's happened. He paused and then he said, don't lose your Manishaness. And I started laughing and he said, don't lose it. The thing that makes you don't lose it. Despite the fact that you've been diagnosed with something that you'll have to manage for the rest of your life, still keep your character, still be the person you were on the 9th of February 2007. That Manisha that you just heard? Well, what that refers to is an amazing film called You, Me and Dupree, which came out in 2006, where Owen Wilson, Dupree, was saying to his best friend, Matt Dillon, called Carl, don't lose your Carlness when he felt like his friend was going way too corporate. Anyhow, let's listen to our episode, which is about relationships. Welcome to Diabetes Squad. Today, we are looking at the subject of dating with diabetes. So it's obviously apparent that we've all been through all sorts in terms of breakdown of relationships and reforming of relationships. So today we're going to have a chat with Lottie. Lottie is somebody that I would say is in my circle of trust and I was happy to attend her wedding and now she's a new mum. So Lottie, hey. Hi. I'm glad you said I'm in your circle of trust. I was slightly worried there. (laughs) What do you think I was going to say? I was going to say... You know, she's just a friend. No, no, no. You're in the circle for sure. We, we we formed the circle together. We absolutely did form a circle. Well, obviously we crossed paths at school, but I don't feel like I really knew you very well for quite a long time. But I think, yeah, we first properly got to know each other, I think, down the pub. <laughs> All stereotypes. Back in the day when I first met you, for a very quick drink normally, wouldn't it? Quick drink that you were off home. Did you ever wonder why I would never stay at the pub for too long? I knew you had someone to go home to. Um, and to be honest with you, because I really mean, I just didn't think you were very much fun. <laughs> I thought you just didn't want to hang out with us. I thought you just wanted to get yourself home. Little did Lottie know at the time that my marriage was most certainly controlling. Did you know that I was type 1 diabetic at all? No, I don't think I did. I don't think I found that out until we really started getting to know each other. I didn't feel like it was something that was sort of common knowledge. I can't actually remember when I first found out you were diabetic. So I guess to sort of bring us a little bit up to speed from this unknown to this known, there was this episode (laughs) late 2017 when Lottie and I went down to the bathroom at this pub and then how would you phrase what happened next? So I guess it was like an unravelling of information about ourselves, I would say, in a kind of drunken, upset sort of way. Tearful? Tearful, yes, there were some tears. I think our quick toilet break ended up lasting about an hour. Um, There was one conversation in particular that really changed the course of me feeling unhappy in my marriage and some advice that you gave me that I still do to this day. Do you remember what you said to me? 
absolutely. When you told me that, you know, how unhappy you were, it was clear that things needed to change in your world. I encourage you to do two things, if I recall rightly. Think carefully about your relationship, your marriage and your own happiness and whether that was still making you happy. You know, if it came to the point where you decided that you weren't happy, it wasn't what was right for you. And secondly, to speak to a therapist and try and get your own feelings sorted and in order before you made any decisions and hopefully make you feel better about yourself. And then you could kind of work out what you wanted to do going forwards. So I think I was quite pushy about it. I'm, you know, a big advocate of therapy after doing it a couple of times myself. And this is something that's come up quite a lot through various episodes with unseen illnesses with Emily, with diabetes, Julie, that we've all spoken about if we are finding it hard to manage our own uh, mental health, physical health, but also just having some peace with your diagnosis, seeking professional help. And, you know, till this day, because you can't believe it, 2018 till now, I still see the same therapist every other week. And it's those small check-ins that keep me still working on myself. This started the whole process of the transition, as I mentioned before, about filing for divorce and going through a year and a half of quite an intense battle and coming out from it going through all of that and having people around me that I could also talk to especially because my sugars were going up down left right was so important did you ever realize how much stress I was under and what effect it may have had after some of our conversations I knew how much stress you were under I know I knew the sort of emotional toll it was taking on you um obviously not being diabetic myself I didn't quite understand probably the ins and outs of how that affected you physically, not just emotionally or mentally. To be honest, didn't really understand it in depth until we had that spell where we lived together. And actually I saw you, you know, on a daily basis. And then I got a greater understanding of how external pressures affected you. When COVID restrictions were lifted and teachers were allowed to go back to school in order to teach, Lottie was organising a wedding, buying a house, and she was living with me. It was almost like daily debriefing of what's going on. I think anybody that's had a breakdown of a relationship, if I was left by myself, I do feel that my type 1 diabetes wouldn't have been managed well because you would have a go at me if I didn't have lunch or you would have a go at me if we didn't have a substantial dinner. Cheerios are not a form of dinner. You know, crumpets are not no, a form of dinner. Not. It took a long time to get that through, but they are not dinner. <laughs> However, Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec believes that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Don't get me wrong, I love breakfast, but obviously from what I do know about diabetes now, it's probably not the best for you to be having for dinner as well. And one thing that you definitely did, that you do this thing that even like Matt does now, which is it takes us all like at least a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes to like calculate our carbs and punch it in. And you do this thing where you just waited until I'd put all my information into my Omnipod 
and then it started beeping and you're like right let's eat and there's little kind of signs of just waiting like 30 seconds until you know somebody's giving themselves the incident and then eating like it sounds really odd but like it makes such a big difference I think it just sort of fell into a routine you know because I'd had shared so many meals with you it just got to the point where I was like okay you know just wait for a minute maybe she will just check her sugars first you know we'll do what she needs to do and then we'll get on with it I also found myself making sure I didn't throw packaging away. I remember once I messaged you a picture of like my favourite pizza and I sent you the back of the packaging because they'd worked out whatever gram in like a third. And for some reason, my brain couldn't figure out if I eat the whole pizza, how many grams is it? I just thought yeah, that's such I a remember. Use. But it, it happens when you're just so hungry and you can't be bothered and it's just really annoying and you just think, who am I going to ask? Somebody's very good at math. <laughs> and that was me. I, I found the confidence through yourself and a few other friends to sort of online date because it wasn't lockdown. Restrictions were lifting. And mentally through therapy, I did feel as though I was ready to start trusting again and meeting people do you remember your role within my uh, dating world absolutely I do so I helped you firstly find people online and secondly I helped you write your messages to people online because it turns out you're pretty rubbish at flirting in messages <laughs> I think it's the dyslexic thing I think one-to-one -one, I'm fine verbally but messages everything just sounds like I am shouting at you I'm being really mean. I was, you can't say that. I think I ended up having to write most of your messages, didn't I, during that time? Yeah. And, you know, through the process of dating and realising quite quickly through various dates that, oh, no, that wasn't great or I'm not sure about this or not sure about that. And I definitely felt like you were very supportive when you first met Matt. I think, obviously, as you said, you'd, you know, dated a little bit in a few people. Um, and I think when you started, you didn't have much confidence. You weren't very sure of yourself. You didn't think you deserved the happiness that everybody else thought you deserved. So I think you were willing to put up with people who weren't right with you for you. And then, yeah, you met Matt. And he seemed like a good egg from the very start. And did you ever think what it could feel like dating somebody, forget the fact that, you know, you have a condition that you can't see, but dating somebody who you would have to quite quickly explain to them that you are physically wearing devices? I knew it was something that you were concerned about having to tell people. Um, and I guess it was a trust thing, you know, you had to sort of feel like you trusted them to disclose all this thing for you. And I know that you found it quite difficult thinking that people might judge you for it or not understand, or if there was something wrong with you that they might not want to date you. But I think after knowing how good you were at managing it, and after living with you and seeing what it was like, you know, I couldn't have imagined that anybody would have held it against you. But I know how important it was for you that you could trust somebody, be able to explain it to somebody and share it with somebody. It's also a case of, in any relationship, the trust is like a word that you keep saying over and over again, you know, trusting somebody, but then trusting somebody with your health and the ups and downs that come with having type 1 diabetes and them not quite literally ignoring the fact that you have to think about this thing all the time. That is, I would say, the biggest trust issue that many, including myself, type 1 diabetics have, you know, it's that 
the trust in somebody that if something were to happen, they would know exactly what to do immediately. Similar to, you know, with people using EpiPens, for example, just having somebody, if you say to them that I need my insulin, I need my pump, my OnuPon's not working, it doesn't sound like some sort of bizarre lingo that has no correlation to normal people, but for them, they immediately get it. What advice would you give to people that are not diabetic if they have a friend who is type 1 diabetic? I think listening and trying to be as understanding as you possibly can about it. Obviously, I don't know. I can't understand everything that you feel, you know, physically and emotionally about your diabetes. But I think trying to support where you can. And as you say, if that's just holding on to some packaging, if that's being slightly mindful about what you're eating together, if that's just giving them a bit of time to sort themselves out, you know, I know that you're very good at checking your if you don't need me to check it, but I actually find it quite interesting sometimes. So sometimes I quite like to go, oh, how are your sugars? What, what, what number are we at? Let's see a graph. Like you maths, I like to see a graph. <laughs> and I know you don't want to talk about it all the time. I know it does, you know, it is a diabetes is exactly who you are. So you, I know you don't want to talk about it all the time, but just when you do and when you want to, that we're there to sort of support and be as understanding as we can. Um, I would advise having a big handbag so that, you know, when you wanted to carry bits and bobs with you and you wanted a small handbag, you could put them in mine. I remember going for a walk with you and piling all of like sweets into my, into my legging pocket and your, your, your reader into my other pocket. So I think having lots of space to carry your bits and bobs that you need to have with you. I think I had lots of Skittles in my, in my legging pockets for a while. I feel like I know a lot more about it since being your friend. I think it's, yeah, taking interest in what, what's going on with you and, you know, how your sugars are and what's affecting it. It can do to support you with it. Well, it's only fair that we hear from Matt. You told me to meet you at Paper Chase, which had closed down some years before. So when I said to you, am I being stupid as no Paper Chase? Then you turned up a bit late. And you came running over and you said, it's okay, I'm not weird about it, you can hug me. And then we went to Nando's because this was during COVID, wasn't it? So we were limited by where we could go and that's why you said you weren't weird about being hugged. So we went to Nando's, but we had to do like a virtual app queue. So we joined the virtual queue, had a little wander around. Then as we sat down in Nando's, then you said to me and you said, so just so you know, I'm going for a divorce and I've got type 1 diabetes. Your reaction was just quite funny. Well, I don't think I really did react, did I? I think I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, what do you want from Nando's? And then you looked at me as if you're like, hello, did you hear what I just said? I'm going for a divorce, I'm well, diabetic. I-, I think the issue that I had was, do you understand the magnitude of not just one of these things, but both of these things? And then him, like, you know, not reacting or asking a question about it made me think, do you actually understand what I'm saying but not knowing at the time it was very much a case of the maturity levels were much higher so it didn't phase him you say you buzzed your Libra and then you put it onto your Omnipod um and that's the first time I've seen anyone do that properly so that was interesting we had talked before we'd even talked on the phone before we met in person and 
you'd never said anything about either diabetes or divorce. And then afterwards, when I said something to you about, that was your first thing you said when we were about to have dinner. And you said you didn't want to tell me over a message or on the phone because you wanted to be able to like see my reaction. And then you were probably quite disappointed he didn't get one. Really disappointed that he didn't just put his coat off and walked out, <laughs> to be honest. No one's ever, you know, opened with such a strong line, very memorable line. Now, having like knowing you, I guess I understand why you did it. And I suppose also some of the background for you in terms of other people might not have been so understanding in the past about such things. And I think for me, the reason why, and I know that it's quite difficult for type 1 diabetics who obviously do wear devices as well, on the dating scene, it's very much a case of laying my cards on the table. It was so important for me just to be honest from the get-go. Well, you were interesting when we first got together because there was a particular word that you used to use all the time, which was burden. And you kept saying about being a burden and you weren't being a burden. And I think you thought that anything that was yours to deal with was a burden so diabetes was one of those things but actually as I kept pointing out to you that if we're in a relationship then we're a team that's why I said you know team Matt and Manisha team M&M because both of us make sure that we do what we can to, to help each other it'd be really weird and really selfish and odd to me for me to be like oh, well, diabetes is your thing and I'm not even going to engage with it or learn anything about it or understand things which might help. I mean, there's little things, aren't there, which I think you found bigger probably than I thought they were at the time. But, you know, even if you have a hyper in the night, if I'm the one who gets up and goes and finds apple juice in a brunch bar, then you thought that was nice because you're like, well, it's my hypo. It's like, you know, but you're having a hyper, you stay there and I'll go and get the bits. Or even other things which are silly, like the first time when I'd made food and had worked out how many carbs there were by adding up all the carbs from the packet and saying, oh, by the way, this meal's got this many carbs in. And you thought that was like some sort of VIP service. But to me, I was like, well, that, you need to know that information. So if I'm making you dinner, then I should tell you it. Having somebody who understands the amount of effort you take to manage your condition on a 24-hour, seven days a week basis definitely helps to share that kind of forever stress that we feel as type 1 diabetics. You know, working out the carbohydrates is a blessing in disguise because that's just one less thing that I have to think about and it just makes it so much easier but I would definitely stress this idea of feeling equal and valued in the relationship has definitely helped my sugars also not spike sky high mat memorable hypos or hypers we've had a few hypos haven't we in our time there's only been one time where I was a bit concerned when we couldn't get your sugars up. The symptoms were you got very clammy and you got very confused. This time, overnight, when it wasn't even particularly warm, you were roasting to the point where you wanted to sit next to an open window on a chair just in your pyjamas, waving the cold air in. 
we were up for quite a long time and your sugars weren't going up in line with what we would expect. You'd had two cartons of apple juice and your sugars had gone down over the space of about 40 minutes and you were already confused. And that's also, that's the first time. And thankfully, I think probably the only time when I've beeped you with the Libra and it's been a two point something. So that did concern me a bit. I guess this goes back to what we were saying before there about like trying to just share the responsibility as much as you can because obviously I can't have the hypo for you. I like to have a bit of a rule which is that you can't go back to sleep unless the high or the low is come back into range or at least it will beep again if something else happens. But you love sleep. So one of the things that I do sometimes is take your phone and give you a, another check just to make sure that it's gone back into range before I fall back asleep. Well, hypos and hypers, I definitely think that you do go into a bit of a desperation state of mind because with hypos, you know that your body's sort of shutting down. So you're slowly falling into this kind of delally stage, as I like to call it. Um, it is important to have somebody who would stay by you and just making sure that you have come back around. So Matt, what advice would you give to partners or parents or loved ones really try and understand it so do some research and know some of the symptoms of highs and lows a lot of people don't understand is the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes everything that can be done to sort of educate people on the fact that this isn't what old people get from eating too much sugar is probably a good thing but i think doing some research about what actually type 1 diabetes is what the symptoms are to look out for. Like I've kind of learned some of your symptoms and especially the hypos I think have got, you get a bit confused. You sometimes don't make much sense. What is it you said once about the lights in the bedroom were too loud? Um, and when you start saying stuff like that, that's a sort of thing for me to go, oh, okay, we at least need to scan the Libra. This is something that never stops and never goes away. So there's going to be plenty of times, like all the times you're at work, you have to find time to like nip out and go and have an apple juice, whatever you need. But when you're here, when you're at home and when we're together, then there's no reason why I can't be the one who gets up in the middle of the night and comes and gets the apple juice and the brunch bar because that's just sharing out the responsibility a bit. It's just as well feeling like people care a lot of the time. And I know one of the things that you've said to me in the past is that you've felt before that not everybody around you has always taken the time to even really find out much about the condition. You know, you could say, oh, I'm having a hypo and they'd be like, oh, okay, but still, can you empty the bin? And you're like, no, the priority is having a hypo. For us, it's the other way around where you'll tell me you're having a hypo and then you'll just be like, oh, but I just, I was like, no, stop. If they get really low, you get confused and you start saying things and you get clammy. Sometimes you get a little bit grumpy or a little bit short. And I just had to think, it's not me. It's, it's because your sugars are low. Give people a little bit more breathing space when it comes to, you know, tolerance levels. What a dream boat. What a dream boat Matthew is. Eh? Um, so I hope that some of the tips that he has mentioned definitely resonates with yourselves or something that you may consider doing. For sure, the last couple of years in terms of the management with my type one has changed. I have come to more a peace 
With my type 1, my hypo treatments have definitely helped not spiking sky high after having, you know, a mad handful of Haribos. Any final words, Matt, before we conclude? I think it's fair to say that when I first met you, you probably wouldn't have had the confidence in your diabetes to do this podcast. Fair. I agree. You've now also connected with lots of other people who are inspiring type 1 diabetics. You've also helped lots of other people with type 1 diabetes. And I think through that sort of network, it's made you realise that there's nothing that you would have been able to do before that you can't do now because we can always make it work. You're the number one Libra spotter I've ever met. You walk around literally anywhere in the world and you're a Libra on someone and you get super excited and you'll happily have your Libra out. And I think that's that's inspiring to other people as well. So, you know, things have probably changed quite a lot for you in a couple of years, but it's probably good for you to reflect on how far you've come in that sense. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for everything. I think it's important for all of us, if it has just been, say, a year that you were diagnosed or it's been longer than a year, whatever it is, maybe on your diabetes birthday, just reflect on that year past or just reflecting on where you were and where you are now. And I know for some of us, it may have just gone a bit sort of, you know, the honeymoon period might have been over and things are maybe not looking so great, like your HbA1c may not be where you want it to be. Um, but just reflecting on your journey is, is super important for sure. Um, Matt is right. A couple of years ago, I don't think I would have had the confidence to show my devices, let alone speak about it on such a public forum in such a public way. One of the reasons why I feel comfortable with this is because I've accepted it. I've accepted my diagnosis and, you know, it's taken a while, but I've accepted it. And that hopefully comes across whilst you're listening. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to share your thoughts and your experiences, send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Diabetes Squad. And remember to use the hashtag Diabetes Squad. This podcast is written and presented by me, Manisha Udgama. The producer is Matt Wareham and it's a depictor production for Diabetes Squad.